Welcome to episode four of the Bossy Bitch podcast. In this episode, I chat to a queen in the beauty industry, Josie Bryce Smith, and I have instantly, and I know I say this every episode, but we just I just fell in love with Josie the second I chatted to her on the phone. She is so my people, um, not only because she's so inspiring and has created this global company, but she, on the phone when we chatted about her joining me for this podcast, I asked her about her fuck-ups and she said, oh my God, I have fucked up absolutely everything that could possibly be fucked up in my business. And she is so open and honest about sharing those fuck-ups, which is why I am so pumped to share this episode with you. But also, she has created a really huge brand. And one of the things that you will come to know about me is I get really pissed off when brands get so huge that they kind of lose touch of caring about their customers. I like to feel special when I am a loyal client, especially when you spend big, big money with certain brands. So I love that this is something Josie's been able to maintain in her business. And you will see that um, from what she says in this uh, interview slash chat. But anyway, I give you Josie and thank you for listening to episode four. You're listening to the Bossy Bitch podcast with Elsa Mitchell. Come along with me as I explore all the remote corners of Australia, uncovering success stories from women killing it in business. I'll inspire you, teach you, and best of all, make you laugh by sharing their journey and mine so that we can grow together in life and in business. Mom, have you seen my pants? Mate, get out of here with the podcast. Okay, today I am chatting with Josie Bryce Smith, who is the founder of an Australian company called Original Minerals, also known as O&M. And for those of you who don't know, O&M is a huge company in the hair industry and used in salons throughout the entire world. Josie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Elsa. I'm so excited. I know that this is going to be a good conversation because anybody that works with hairdressers or in the hair industry has to be good at talking to people, right? That's true. And I started my career on the reception of a hair salon. So yeah, I spent a lot of time talking to people and I love hairdressers. They're some of the craziest people in the world. (laughs) We certainly are a special breed, aren't we? (laughs) You are. It's fun knowing everyone's secrets. (laughs) Oh, no. Honestly, I actually think that hairdressers are the unsung heroes of society. They're the counsellors. They're the ones that people dump all their stuff on, you know, when they're losing their job or they get cancer or their husband's having an affair. You know, hairdressers are kind of like an extension of your friends and family. Absolutely. I think sometimes we're the first to know that someone's pregnant. Like um, I've been told before that, um, you know, a client's confided that she was going to leave her husband and unleash the whole plan. The poor guy didn't even have a clue yet. Like, (laughs) and I also think it makes us so amazing at customer service because some of the shit people tell you and you have to try and keep a straight face. Like I have been told the craziest things before and you have to just smile and nod and be polite (laughs) I know it's funny I actually talked to my psychologist about it because I think 
you know, psychologically, if you're seeing, say, eight to ten people a day and they're all dumping different stuff on on you, how do you hold on to yourself and, you know, and not take on other people's, you know, energy? And she said to me one a technique that she suggested was you have a pad and, pen, uh, pad and paper in the back room and that when the client leaves, you go and write on the paper whatever they told you so that, that then it belongs to the paper, not to you. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. We have like um, we've saged our salon before. I'm sure lots of hairdressers oh, yeah. do this. <laughs> like we have like good vibes spray that like when someone comes in, we like spray it all over the salon and spray it all over the chair. <laughs> yeah. So funny. So Josie, can you tell? my listeners just a little bit about um just so everybody can fully understand just how huge um O&M is so how it came about why you decided to start it and what makes it special like a bit different from the other the other hair brands out there yeah so my background was in media and marketing and I fell into the hairdressing industry because I married a hairdresser and he opened a hair salon and I started to work on the reception to help him with the marketing. And my first impression of hairdressing was I couldn't believe the smell and fumes of the chemicals of everything, the hair color. We had perms, straighteners, and 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 I just I'd in I'd grown up uh, in a family which was highly focused on natural and organic. My father died of cancer when I was seventeen. And so my mother always told me to stay away from chemicals, don't wear deodorant, you know, all, all of this sort of thing. And so I was actually getting my hair colored in an ammonia-free hair salon in, in London. And so when we opened our salon here and, you know, we used the lowest ammonia products that were available, but I just still couldn't believe how much it smelt. And I thought, wow, you know, if if deodorant – if they're finding aluminium in people's armpits when they get cancer in their lymph nodes through deodorant, what are they getting through this hair color? Like, are people going to realize that, you know, that there's long-term detrimental health effects of the, all those chemicals you're putting on your head? And then, and then what are hairdressers are breathing in? Are they going to find out that, that what they were breathing in was toxic? And so, you know, it was then that, I started to think, well, there's got to be a better way. And I'd seen this ammonia-free hair color in London. And so that was what started the journey. I started hunting for factories who could who could make these, you know, lower chemical alternatives. And um, so we really just had it for our own salon. So we started with ammonia-free color in 2003. And now I think about it, I must have been completely crazy. But anyway, we, we yeah. <laughs> We just started with it and um, and we started marketing ourselves as an organic salon, ammonia-free, and we got a little write-up in Vogue first. Oh, pretty impressive. Yeah, we, <laughs> that's a big, big moment. Yeah, it was a big moment, actually. I, um, I used to ring the beauty editor of Vogue every single day and say, hey, I've got this ammonia-free hair color and I've got the best hairdressers from the UK and... I'd really love you to come to my salon. And she would say, no, no, I've been going to my hairdresser for 10 years. And um, 
And I would say, okay. And then in the end, she said to me, are you going to ring me every single day? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I said, yes, I am. And I remember when her na- she came in, her name is Caroline Padash, and she's lovely. I still know her. And she, um, we had no customers. We had Alan, Mike's husband, and Wayne, our colorist, and we got their mums to come in, and we put color on their hair, and they brought both brought in a good handbag and they were in a good outfit and we put the color on Caroline's hair and then Wayne went outside and started ringing me and I was making fake appointments. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, we're yes. so busy and we're very important. <laughs> yeah. And and um, and anyway, she did a little write up in Vogue about ammonia free hair color and then after that, we became like a beauty editor's secret and, and all these beauty editors started coming. And within two years, we had 15 staff. The salon was wow. really busy. Yeah. And we realized that there was a real demand for this. And initially, it was just sort of pregnant women and people with scalp sensitivity yep. that were coming in. But then we started to realize like once the pregnant women then had the baby and realized that their hair was, you know, fine, plus it's, the gray got covered and there was no smell, no fumes. Uh, we realized that, it, you know, that it, there was a bigger market for it. And I think if you fast forward, what, 18 years ago mm. since when I started that, you know, um, clean beauty is the fastest growing part of the beauty sector. Clean hair care is also growing very fast. And clean color, which is where we are at, is becoming more mainstream too. And, you know, we we started that for sure we we did and uh and it's been an incredibly rocky journey but now O&M is in um 15 countries and uh we have our own factory here where we make all of the hair care so that's in Australia, cool. in Australia. yeah in yeah Australia. which I think makes it even more a bit awesome I think especially at the moment everyone's so you know getting really on board with that Australian made and supporting local but you were already doing it <laughs> And supplying to 15 countries around the world, that's massive. Yeah, so and our fastest, so the hair colour is made in Italy. Nobody is crazy enough to make hair colour here. Maybe <laughs> maybe one day I will be, but, we've yeah, we make the hair colour in Italy and, um, and our fastest growing markets are Australia and then the US. I think that the US consumer is really catching up with when I first went there and said, you know, I've got a sulfate and paraben-free shampoo. This was 12 years ago. They said the U.S. consumer doesn't know what a paraben is, <laughs> let, let alone a phylate or a MIT or any of the other oh things God. we leave out. Yeah. Yeah. I actually um, about probably about eight years ago started blogging for my hair salon, and one of the things I focused on was uh, organic hair color because I wanted to rank really well um, in the search engines because I could see that it would attract a new and different clientele. And I don't know if it's still today. I think it might still today. If you if you did search for an organic hair colour in Perth, we would pop up first in the search engine. So we would get a lot of new clients that were after that alternative. But I definitely think in the beginning there was a little bit of a stigma. People would think, oh, well, it's organic or, or you know, not necessarily organic, but if it's clean, a cleaner yeah. product, it would, wouldn't work as well. 
<laughs> and we'd be like, yeah, yeah, no, it, this is great, really good coverage. Um, we use O&M in our salon now and, yeah, we're like it's just like any other heck. In fact, anything, if anything, um, you know, it's it's easier. It's such a great product to work with and I can say that because I have worked with it. But, yeah, it's funny how people seem to have this, oh, it probably doesn't work as well because it's a, it's a cleaner product. Yeah, I mean, and we definitely – uh, had to break through a lot of those myths but to be fair as well when we first so ammonia free was quite relatively easy but when we decided to go ppd free which was about 10 years ago now ppd is the main dark dye in all hair color and it's i what happened was because we were ammonia free. I was getting all these people contacting me saying, is your product PPD free? And if you Google PPD allergy, you'll see people's face swell up. They go to anaphylactic shock. I mean, a woman died uh, last year from putting a L'Oreal hair color on um, in the UK. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things about PPD. So I started trying to take that out. And when when we took it out, when you're taking out the major dark hair dye, we had a lot of problems with grey coverage. And I went through about five years of that. And yeah. and I had some very big manufacturers that have made some very big multinational brands that said that they could do it, that couldn't do it. And um, and the, the company nearly went under multiple times because we did have problems with the product in the early days. And um, – to be honest, I got to the stage where I was ready to give up on the color because, you know, even some of my staff were saying, you know, we were having stability issues. There were lots of issues. And um, in 2015, I decided to move the factory from America to Italy. And I went to Italy and I did a tour of factories and I found a factory that I felt confident that could do it. And, um, so I went back to Australia and I went into a salon that had used O&M for a long time and a guy, Paul, who had actually worked with me for five years, and I said to him, can you test the colour for me? Because he knew, he knew everything that had gone wrong. And I said, could you test it for me and, you know, could you benchmark it? We benchmarked it against two multinational big colour brands. And I said, if it doesn't cover grey like that, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm going to focus on the hair care, which was also taking off. And anyway, he would ring me and he would go, Josie, Josie, I've got Maureen in the chair and she's got 100% white hair. And I put an 8-0 on and it's covered better than the other one. And I was like, no way. <laughs> like, no way. Oh, my God. And um, so we couldn't believe That's it. That's amazing. And yeah, that was 2015. And so what you're using now is what we launched in 2016. Yeah, wow. That's amazing. That's so incredible. But And I know that um, you've had some epic fuck-ups along the way. Um, do you want to share any of those r- ripper stories with, our lis- with my listeners? Yeah, sure. I mean, I really believe that, you know, failing – is the best part of learning, you know, and um, almost yeah. a relief sometimes, isn't it, when you fuck up because you're like, oh, phew, like that's out of the way now <laughs> because it's yeah. going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah, so probably the biggest thing that we had went wrong with the product was when I first moved to this big American manufacturer. It was the first round of our PPD-free colour 
and um you know we did a big deal with them a lot of money went into the company like millions in order to take it around america and anyway so we received a hundred thousand units in australia and we started changing over salons here that was all going quite smoothly and so i went to the u.s and started to see distributors and whilst i was on this tour of the u.s my national sales manager started to ring me and say um weird stuff's going on Josie and I said like what and then he said Gray's not going to cover it covered hair's going pink and I was with the manufacturer and I said and he goes it's just weird like they'll put a toner on and it'll get a pinky tone instead of an ash tone and um so I said to them what's going on and they sort of denied 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 for ages and then they said okay basically the color's oxidizing I said what do you mean they said the tube I don't know if you know a color tube at, at the end of it, it gets crimped yep. over. It's got glue, yep. it gets crimped over. They said the glue, there was something wrong with the glue, and when they crimped it, uh, air's getting in, so the colour was oxidising. I said, what does that mean? And he said, all those units you've got are like a ticking time bomb. They're all going to go off. <sighs> and so I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. So anyway, but, you know, what? we navigated around that. I came back. We started to slice tubes open to see which ones were oxidizing first. Uh, we, I rang every single customer, which at the time was about 120 customers, and said, oh my God. this is what you're looking for. If it comes out of the tube brown, it's oxidized. If it doesn't, it's okay. We're going to replace everything. And we spent about $250,000 on FedEx, FedExing in, replacing oh the product. Oh, my God. And that was the beginning, like so many – we had so many defective product issues like that. But honestly, looking back at it, like I don't even know how I kept going, but I think I just I just thought I can't I just didn't want to fail. I don't know. And I, I believed I kept thinking it would be all right, but I had four or five sort of defective products, cock ups like that. You um, must just like want to throw in the town, crawl in a hole and drink 10 bottles of wine <laughs> yeah I mean, definitely, I, I've definitely uh you know I was having panic attacks I, I definitely functioned with very high anxiety at that time but I've really learned a lot about anxiety through that like anxiety is just fear of the future yes and, yeah and so I've really learned to like stay present and not to catastrophize and you know there's sort of there's always a way um, yes. And I and I believe that when something like that happens, the universe is sending you a message to re-strategize. And actually, the universe was telling me that that manufacturer couldn't do it. Unfortunately, I needed four years of that to learn my lesson. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. I stayed for four years of defective product, and then I thought, okay, I've got to move to another to another supplier. But anyway, I you know I learned, and I think I made a lot of the mistakes for a lot of the companies now that are doing cleaner hair care hair color and hair care and I'm happy about that because it's growing the category my and my aim was always to look after people's health anyway right so if other people Absolutely. are doing it too it's great yeah and you know it's funny because having been a hairdresser for 20 years the ghost chemicals that you talk about like you just you don't even notice them it doesn't take long before you just get used to it <laughs> How bad is that? Like you just, it, it, you know, sometimes you get a client be like, oh, what is that smell? And you're like, I'm not even noticing it. <laughs> it's just become 
my normal. Um, but people are so much more health conscious these days. And, you know, um, it is a massively growing market. And if it's a no brainer, right? Like if you can use it and it does a great job, why would, why wouldn't you choose that over the alternative? That's exactly what I believe. Like why it's like eating organic food. If you can get organic food and you can afford it, why wouldn't you eat that instead of the one with the chemicals all over it? Do you know, exactly. And it tastes the same. Yeah. It's like, honestly, and I believe that if you even look coming out of COVID, like people's number one value is becoming their health, right? It, it was, was maybe, maybe it was always in people's top three, right? But now I think it's people's number one. And, and we all know somebody that's had cancer. Yeah. We all, you know, there, you know, we, there's so much of that and we all, owe it to ourselves to avoid that and try and enjoy our time on the planet as much as we can. Yep, absolutely. And another one of the things I really wanted to ask you, Josie, and I know you're doing this um, quite well, but one of the things with the hair industry and the beauty industry, I guess, is, you know, it is a huge, huge industry and there are some massive brands like huge global brands that are owned by huge huge companies and one of the things I've noticed and it really (laughs) pisses me off is a lot of the companies the big companies like that they lose that personal touch you lose you don't you don't get a lot of love do you know what I mean um that you often get dealing with a smaller company and I'm all for getting love when you're you know a loyal like I'm a very loyal client once I'm in like you know I I I will stay with a brand forever um but you know you you want to feel like they value you as a client and that that doesn't happen when and it gets lost a lot how do you now your company's so growing so big how do you keep that personal touch with your customers um uh, you know i think that if you look at a lot of successful brands they generally have somebody that's in love with it right and and the major companies a lot of them are just so big now that that there's nobody at the center that's in love with it and i think that my love for O&M sort of resonates out to how I look after my team and I, you know, really love my team and believe that my job is just to provide them with whatever they need to be successful. And so within that, then they will look after the customer. And I think, you know, that that's a very important layer. And then, and then directly, I think the world has changed so much that Social media has allowed us to reach our customer directly. And so people chat to me every day on Instagram or Facebook, you know, and then um, and me directly to them. Um, and I just I just think that the way that we connect is so different now. And and when and we're in a discovery phase where people uh, want to be with brands that have similar values to them and they can discover about them online. Um, and I, and I also think that people, uh, it, that resonate with other people that are having a go and, you know, I've come from nothing and I just had a go. And so I think that sometimes people can see themselves in me and, and I can see myself, myself in them and, yeah. and we're, we're just relating. And ultimately I think as human beings, we're all just trying to connect. 
Absolutely. And I think it says a lot, you know, like even us having this conversation right now, I spoke to your um, distributor in Western Australia and uh, Pete, who I love, and he said, you should tattoo Josie. And, you know, it was so simple. You, you know, he sent you an email, you responded straight away. We had a chat and, you know, a really good chat. I thought instantly connected really well. And you, you answered you, you know, and it's that simple. And I think that what you're showing is that you can build a big company that is global. You're in 15 countries across the world and you still can keep that personalized touch and that, um, you know, that loyalty to your clients. Like it can be done and you're showing that. Whereas, you know, it, that doesn't happen all the time, even with the social media. I know when COVID started and, you know, obviously it was catastrophic and we've been really lucky in WA because uh, hairdressers were able to stay open and we've obviously, our story is a little bit different to the rest of the world. We've been really, really lucky. But in the beginning, it was terrifying, you know. We thought we'd lose our business and it'd be shut forever. And um, normally we have the reps representing the big brands coming in on a weekly basis. And I know that with O&M, I had that on my doorstep as I needed it, you know, within 24 hours. It was no problem. Yep, I'll get that to you. Um, I had regular conversations with Pete. Now, um, about seven or eight, probably even nine weeks into the whole saga, we hadn't heard a word from another big brand, and I won't mention names. We hadn't heard a word from them. And when the, they checked in, um, my manager said, oh, you just – we thought he might be checking in to see how we're going. And he, he was said, oh, no, 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 I, he wanted some feedback on on something else. And she said, oh, well, because, you know, we haven't heard from you once, you know, in all of this. And he said, oh, well, aren't you following me on Instagram? <laughs> okay. Aren't you following me on Instagram? Well, I'm, I've been posting updates and I, I was like, are you for real? Like that's. We're supposed to check in on your Instagram to get some how you're going. I don't know. It, it it didn't sit well with me. I'm like, we've been a loyal client for for 13 years. We spend a lot of money. You know, how hard was it to just check in and, you know, like when we needed you the most, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, I, I Yeah, I do believe that, you know, you t- sometimes you just need to pick up the phone and that's certainly what we did we encouraged everyone to do that and and I picked up the phone as well and I think you know letting people know that you're all in it together and I mean I don't know whether you did it but we started to do zoom workouts as well so, <laughs> so I got a trainer and um and we were doing workouts and posting wellness videos and yeah just you know trying to you know empathize of what everyone's going through because it was a really scary time I mean it's crazy I say to my kids you're going to grow up and say that you lived through COVID like you don't understand you know because kids always go if it rains a lot will school get shut if it snows will school get shut I'm like okay there's a pandemic school is getting shut (laughs) yes it's what you've dreamed of Yeah, I think I just think I always have, you know, I teach my mentoring, my business mentoring clients like that we have two rules for business and one of them is just to be a good human. In everything that you do, if if you just genuinely care for your clients and the people you work for and what you're doing, then you're always going to get a good result. 
And I think even just the second I've chatted with you, Josie, it's so evident that that you genuinely do care and you genuinely do give a shit. <laughs> but yeah. I know that um, you. we mentioned the other day uh, that you were thinking about starting a foundation. Is that something that you said? Yeah, so um, I'm sort of I'm in the works of the setup of it at the moment, whether it will be a foundation or, or yeah, how the setup will be. But I've basically decided that I, you know, there are there are a few things that are close to my heart, and I I just want to link O and M to that. I want to be able to support and give back and and reach with more more people as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think our charity uh, will be linked to cancer because that's sort of so close to my heart. Uh, as I know it is to yours, we were yes, chatting yeah. before, and and I just think that everyone has got some sort of cancer journey. And I was thinking about it this morning on my walk, thinking, you know, there's so many cancer charities, but I thought, you know what? But cancer is so evil, like it really is. It's so clever and evil, and oh my god, the way it travels through people's bodies, and you know, it's just we have to try and put a stop to it. And and even though there is a huge amount of charities, we haven't put a stop to it yet. And, no. you know, so I think it's it resonates with me. I've got, you know, two friends that are going through it at the moment and I've spent a lot of time in chemo at wards and uh, radiation and operations and just seeing what happens to them. It's just, it's such a cruel disease. So... Yeah, it would be really nice to do something to give back. And I think that people as well, like there's the social conscience is so different. And and people want to work with companies that are looking at, at you know, trying to help the planet, you know, rather Absolutely. than just trying to make money. Yep. No doubt about it. And I think, yeah, it's just you can't fake you can't fake that either. You know, that genuine you have to be authentic and genuine like like everything you're saying right now. I think everybody will be able to resonate with that and especially me. And, you know, it is so important that um, you know, under behind it all, we're all working our asses off and building our businesses and but you know, there is so much more to life isn't there and then in that giving back it is really really important but you have to be super genuine and authentic in doing that and you have to do what really I think um you know resonates with you and is true in your heart and I think everything you've done has stemmed from a genuine sort of passion um and love for what you're doing and I think that is kind of what I'm noticing to be a really key ingredient for building a successful business yeah, I agree with you. It, yeah, it just, it. I'm just, I'm in love with it. I never did it for the money. I, you know, I risked it all multiple times. And, you know, I went, I mean, I went through a lot. I had a lot of people criticize me and tell me I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, like lots of things happened. But I think, I feel lucky that I sort of found my life's purpose. And I only found it by accident. But I definitely think it's my life's purpose. And I think, I would like to make a difference and I this is just my school my small corner of the planet hair colors where I've landed and hair care and um in actual fact when my and you know there's a, there's a sort of a lot in 
how you grew up and your parents and stuff like that. And I think we're all sort of honoring what our parents said and did. And my dad, when he died, he'd been raising money, um, you know, in those days, because he died over 25 years ago. Um, I was 17. He, um, there was no cat scanning machines. There was only one in London. And so he would have to get the train. We lived an hour outside London. He would have to go every time he needed a CAT scan. So he raised money to get one in our local hospital. And when he died, they found £350,000 in um, this bank account. And that probably would be, well, that would be at least, it would probably be $1.5 million now, you know, in relative terms. So what they ended up doing was they built a whole wing of the hospital with a cancer scanning machine in it and they named it after him it's called the andrew bryce smith imaging center and yeah and 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 i went back there last year and there was a couple of people that had worked there for over 30 years who remembered my dad and they said to me you know they do fifty thousand scans a year now and they said he started a legacy of you know, they do 50,000 scans there. And, of course, the machines have been upgraded in that time, but that was what he started. And they had a picture of him in the um, foyer and the machines being flown in. So I sort of, uh, I, I don't know, I suppose, and he always said to me, you've got you've to live the life that I didn't live and life is a gift, don't waste it. So I've always lived every day like it's my last and felt, I've got nothing to moan about and I need to, you know, do something good. So that's my why. That is amazing. And it's amazing and amazing. And I don't know if I said this to you on the phone the other day. It was, wasn't until my, you know, one of my closest friends and, and biz, former business partner now, Christy, um, received a, a devastating cancer diagnosis last year that, you know, it's it wasn't until that experience where I went, oh, like all the stuff I worry about or I'm scared of doing or that fear that, you know, you spoke of before, all of us have it and it stop, stops us from doing what we want to do because we're scared of failing, scared of what people think. Some people were even scared of succeeding and then being busy and handling success, all those fears. Like it wasn't until I had that experience that I kind of went, oh, <laughs> Like, I just don't give a fuck anymore. I'm just going to go for it. Like, life's way too short, um, you know, to have those regrets. And it's uh, unfortunate, I think, that sometimes it takes an experience like that for you losing your dad at such a young age. And then, you know, for me, for my friend to get sick, to have that wake-up call that you know, we only get one chance and life is short and you've got to make the most of it. And it is like, look at what your dad did. He was one person and he made a huge impact. And it's you don't know how to get that message to other people. Don't wait for something like that to happen to you to make a big leap and live your life to the fullest, which all sounds a bit corny, but it's true, you know. It's a shame that it takes something like that to ha- learn that lesson. Yeah, it's it's a massive wake-up call and it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a sh- you know, there's a, there's a very good, I, I love motivational videos and on YouTube there's a Denzel Washington video which where he talks about, fall forward and it's like we're all gonna fall but just just go for it just fall forward and I just and and I think it's very humbling when when you 
see somebody with a life-threatening disease, it just makes you realise that you're just so lucky you've got nothing to moan about. I mean, I loved the fact that your friend had a real success story because, you know, I believe in miracles as well. And it sounds like, I mean, I think you should share it because it's amazing. Um, but, you know, that's inspirational too. And there's an Oprah, I listen to a lot of Oprah as well, and she says, you can believe the diagnosis but not the prognosis. Yeah. And, yep. and it sounds like your friend completely defied the odds. Oh, absolutely. And when she did get that diagnosis, I did what everybody would do and I was Googling and I was Googling and I just couldn't find any, you know, good stories and I would Google um you know, success stories for that diagnosis and I just, you know, and then I'd sit there bawling my eyes out and my husband was like, stop fucking Googling, (laughs) stop it. And, you know, so now for her to be able to share that story, if it can give hope to other people and, you know, get them to think, you know what, there is a chance, like like you just said, you know, there is that is the diagnosis but I can beat it it can happen if that can do that for someone else then that is a story that I believe um, will be shared a lot and that's going to be her journey I think over the next couple of years is, is share, spreading that message but miracles do happen every day and I, I I wasn't didn't believe it at first when I when she got that news I I was a bit into like couldn't accept it and now it is true miracles do happen every day yeah, it's amazing. It is an inspirational story. And and um, that's why I think as well that it's so important that we continue helping to fund cancer research because they are inventing more things like immunotherapies now like 40% of cancer treatment overseas. You know, there's like there's, there's a lot of – there are developments that are happening. And so, yeah, we need more and more miracles. Well, I'm excited to see what you come up with with your foundation, Josie, but I already think just what you've done in the last, I don't know, how many years has it been? 17 years um, building your brand. I mean, that's been a huge impact as well, and it's no small fate. Like hairdressing is a huge, we are essential. If there's one thing that's come out of COVID is just how important it is to people. I, I always joke that People will fire their cleaner, they'll fire their psychiatrist, Um, you know, in times when things are tough. We are literally the last on the list. People (laughs) will sell their pets to keep paying for their hair because for some reason it's an important part of what makes people feel good. So it is a big, big thing what you've done to the industry. Thank you. Yeah, I feel really proud that we we stock O&M and I feel really grateful that you've been able to share your story with me and my listeners today. Oh, no, I feel honoured to be on and, and, and I really appreciate you, yeah, having me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Josie. And um, I will, if anybody wants to follow Josie, um, you, I think on Instagram you are the what, what, it's, I'm original Queenie, like the hairspray. And uh, I know, I know, it's funny. And it's, uh, I sometimes look at my Instagram and think, oh God, if people look at that, they're going to think that I'm up myself or something, which no, I'm not. I love but, it. 
but, but original Queenie, yeah, and uh, like the pink hairspray. <laughs> yeah, well, you just you've earned that name, so you own it. <laughs> Thank you. So Thank nice you to so talk to you, Elsa. Tracy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bossy Bitch Podcast. I am Elsa Mitchell and you can find me at elsamitchell.com.au or if you'd like to meet my friends, please head on over to Facebook and I invite you to join our free group, Bossy Bitch. Bossy Bitch.